Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome to the show today. I don't know what our co-hosts are thinking that they are allowing you and I to be in the studio all by ourselves. No, at, at some point, they're, they're going to be charged with neglect as <laughs> it's, parents. It's like kids playing out in yeah, the traffic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's just not right. Well, if you're joining us, unfortunately, uh, Pastor Phil and Pastor Jonathan are not here today, so you'll have to put up with me and Russ. We apologize for anything that we might say ahead of time. I think the more mature members We'll be back next week. So <laughs> so if you would like to turn off the station now, you can tune in then. So yeah. we are going through the Psalms, and we're right in the middle of the Psalms of Ascent. Brother, could you just remind us, uh, why do they call it the Psalms of Ascent? So these were at least historically thought of as songs that they would have sang as they made their way to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is actually... Um, up in the hills, and so in order to get to Jerusalem, there were three required um, feast days in the Old Testament in which people had to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to participate, if they could, in those ceremonies. And so the people of, of Israel would be gathering in Jerusalem, and these were psalms that they sang as they made their way up, literally songs of ascent, made their way up to Jerusalem and so sometimes they've been referred to as pilgrim psalms. Um, but for the larger church, they're really the songs of the church as we are pilgrims, as we make our way to the true Jerusalem. And so um, I think that's really the heart of these, that they really are trying to express what does it mean to be as the New Testament would say, aliens and strangers, those pilgrims on their way to the heavenly city. And so this runs from what one twenty to one thirty-four. Thirty-four. Okay. Yep. So that's the portion of the Psalms of Ascent in your Bible. And this is kind of why we've slowed down in this section of the Psalms, because if we, if you really do embrace what I just said a moment ago, that these are pilgrim psalms, what that means is they weren't just for people going up to Jerusalem. These are psalms that should then apply to all of life in our pilgrimage. Amen. All right, so we are on Psalm 130 today. It's eight verses, so I'm going to go ahead and read it. This is what it says. A song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. 
For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. I have a question before we kind of start unpacking it. Well, this is a question of unpacking it. In verse 7 and 8, brother, it uses the word Israel twice. So if I'm an American living in the 21st century, and I come to this psalm and I might immediately feel disconnected from it because I'm I'm not Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, so how is a Christian? How is a Christian? Am I supposed to relate to parts in the Psalms that that address Israel like this? So the long answer to a short question is this: <laughs> um, I think this is one of the main misconceptions of God's dealings with His people throughout all time. Um, I've been working through the teaching of the Belgic Confession. I've just come to the section on the Church and. The article that I just preached on and dealt with was dealing with that the church has existed from the beginning of time. Um, we tend to think of the church beginning at certain places. But like began like in the Acts te- chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Some would say, well, no, the church began in 1517 with Martin Luther or whatever. You, people have different dates. But the church has, has existed from the beginning of time. And so what that means is that in the Old Testament, God had a church, had a people that he had called to himself that were set apart unto him, and that was the nation of Israel. Yeah. The, that, word, the word in both the Septuagint and the New Testament is ecclesia, yeah. called out. And so when it's not exactly the same thing as far as Israel was a nation, the church today is not a nation, but as far as the spiritual Israel was the church. Yeah. So in this case, when you're dealing with spiritual Israel, what you can say is, oh, church, hope in the Lord. Yeah. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and he will redeem the church from all – it's really just his people. Yeah. Um, so however so you want to say reading, it. When I'm reading this and it says, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord, or when it says he will redeem Israel, then I can immediately apply it That's to correct. myself and to the church. And I don't think you're doing anything crazy because that's how the New Testament talks about it. Um, and I'm going to forget the passage off the top of my head. Well, I'll, I'll help you. One, one passage is in Romans 9 where it says, where Paul says, not all Israel is Israel. And so he immediately makes a distinction between kind of merely ethnic Israel and spiritual Israel, as you've been saying. Yeah. I'm thinking of the passage that talks about Israel, the church of God. It's in the end of Galatians, right? Galatians 6. Yeah, I thought so too, but then I didn't see it. Well, that's why you got to mark up your Bible. Ah, see, my Bible, my if you were like me. Yes, yes. <laughs> well. My Bible is all marked in. That shit, that's a mark of holiness for okay, us. Okay, <laughs> so turn to Galatians and find it for me then. All right. Well, Young, t- youngster. <laughs> Now, what we're saying is we're not trying to import this into Scripture. This is, this is what Scripture is saying. Galatians 6.16, as, And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. And which is referring, Paul is writing to the church. Yeah, and it would be crazy to think that he's thinking about ethnic Israel there because he spent the whole book arguing against making divisions along those lines. That's correct. That's correct. Okay, sorry, that was a a little bit of a diversion, but I actually think that's important because as Christians sit down to read the Psalms and they're like, well, this isn't even written to me, then they're going to miss all these precious truths, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, so Psalm 130. Um, Martin Luther would call this a Psalm of Paul. Um, 
he actually has several that he would refer to and say that they sound so much like Paul in the New Testament that he would call them his Pauline um, psalms. And so Psalm 130 is one of those. Um, But it's just a wonderful psalm where the psalmist is, is coming here and says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my prayer. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. The idea is, and the next verse confirms this, that this is someone that is someone that knows their own sin mm-hmm. um, and knows that their only hope is in God's mercy, um, that it's grace that is going to be what they're going to plead upon, that they can't plead on their merit, they can't plead on um, what they can accomplish on their own. They're coming to God and saying, I need grace alone. Um in Christ alone, <clears throat> or I can't be saved. Yeah. And Psalm 130 to me is one of those important psalms for the church today because um, we really don't talk about sin very much. We don't talk about our need for confession and repentance. Um, we've kind of lost that, I think, unfortunately, as a church that we look at it and say, well, I, I have put my faith in Jesus Christ, therefore I'm forever free, and now I don't have to worry about sin anymore. Well, I'm not sure that's actually the biblical view of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an ongoing repentance, an ongoing knowing of, yes, I've been born again, but there is still much sin within my own heart and life that daily I need to repent of. And you know, you know that quote by Spurgeon, where he said, "He who thinks lightly of his sin thinks lightly of his savior." Mm-hmm. To the degree that we don't, I mean, this is the benefit. Like I, I've been, I visited your church several times, brother, and on Sunday mornings, you guys read typically through the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. and it's a reminder of not only what what God requires from us, but the ways in which we have fallen short, mm-hmm. which then drives us to the cross and make us more thankful for Christ fulfilling those things for us. Mm -hmm. And so there is a connection between examining our sin and looking at our sin and loving the gospel more. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes people look at it, I I mean, I actually was teaching a Sunday school class once, um, this is almost 20 years ago now, but, um, and somebody came up to me and said, "I, I don't like this because sometimes it makes me feel guilty and I, I, as a Christian, I should never feel guilt. Where do you get that idea at? And I was like, what? I, I, I know this is hard to believe. I was speechless. I had no, I had no response. I, I didn't know. I couldn't understand the perspective in which she was coming from. Um, yes, in a, in a judicial sense, I no longer have guilt before God. That's the great truth of Romans 8.1. Yeah. Therefore, we have no condemnation. But in a relational sense, yeah. um, I have broken um, God's law, but and that's, that's personal. That's not just theoretical. That's not just um, in a legal sense. I committed an offense against my Savior, against my God. Well, I need to have that... Forgiven, I need to come to him and say, Lord, out of the depths I'm crying to you. Yeah. Be attentive to my pleas of mercy. I, I need your forgiveness. Yeah. And that's restorative. 
Yeah. That's not a negative thing. That's a restorative process that happens. Well, and it's pleasing to God. I mean, you look at David's psalm of repentance in Psalm 51, and he says the sacrifice, God, if you wanted, you don't want these burnt sacrifices because if you, you did, I'd bring them to you. What you want, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. So, no, I agree with you. It, it, the analogy is marriage, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I have a, a ring on my finger right now. I'm in covenant relationship with my wife, um, and that's secure. But that doesn't mean that when I sin against her that I don't need to ask for her forgiveness. That's right. That, that, that would be a very poor marriage. And the sense of the psalm is that it's we're not just hoping in, I, I don't know if God's going to grant that or not, um, it's an expectant waiting, um, verses 5 and 6. I wait for this, the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. And really the sense is I, I can be sure that this is true because his word is sure. My soul, and they inserted the word waits, but it's my soul for the Lord. Um, the, the waits isn't in the original text. More than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. And the sense is what always happens every morning Sun always comes up. The sun always comes up. The dawn always comes, and God is always true to His word. Yeah, God is always true to Himself and His promises. And so, just as as we can be expectant for the dawn, um, and know that it will come, we can be sure um, of God's forgiveness and His a- willingness to answer the prayer um, for forgiveness, because that is also sure. Yeah, because it's in Jesus Christ. That's correct. When, when we go to God and ask for his forgiveness, he doesn't forgive us just because we ask him. He forgives us because he has nailed those sins to the cross, and, and we uh, uh, receive a fresh application of that gospel truth. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. Uh, we hope that uh, you are being edified by these psalms. Go to them. Uh, Psal- psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120 through 134. We, we believe that you'll be blessed by reading them. Talk to you next time. 